0: And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if I'm hanging out with
1: you. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant.
2: Back in the saddle again. We're back in the saddle again. Okay,
0: Gene Autry, what's that all about?
2: Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials. Ever
0: think of hiring a copywriter? Pat's pretty good.
2: Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release.
0: This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, JLo."
3: Take it from Zap, They ship today. We
0: are back, ladies and gentlemen. A little news, a little information. So, Michael, what's the latest with you?
3: No?
4: All right.
1: He, he could hear. There he is. I had it on mute um, during the Didn't have feedback. Um you know just working away i'm at a convention now that i i got to on and it's been interesting so that's just kind of what's going on indeed
0: alex made it that's good i'm
5: here i'm here i'm here sorry well
0: uh, let me know when michelle's ready to go mm-hmm. michelle who all right um so what'd you guys think of the super bowl
6: i watched most of it actually
0: Mom and I watched all of it. Do you believe that Mom and I watched the entire Super Bowl? I'm
6: shocked. Yeah, because I was rooting. I was actually rooting for somebody. I wanted the Bengals to win. The
0: Bengals to win. Why did you
6: want the Bengals to win? I like
5: Tigers, but you do. You do like Tigers. And
6: I also (laughs) like. I I would have liked to have seen sort of a Midwestern, you know, team win. That's what Dan Dan
5: was like. They don't get any recognition, and LA has so much stuff. And exactly. Yeah.
6: Yeah, I mean LA you're up against it because obviously they've got more money, better training, better coaching, better everything, better yeah. you know, conditions and in, in all ways and so it's nice to see I mean Bengals almost did it. But they, they did. didn't do it. They did. So close. Yeah, it's true. And then the halftime show, I guess people are just going crazy over. They're either it's a bunch of racist uh, hating people that did not like it and it's like oh my god.
0: So it's all about race if you don't like a song? Oh okay. Well,
5: I think it was because uh, because Eminem was the only white person in it. Uh, yeah. And so people are upset I that hate. it's that's racist to, if all black people. Why can't we have representation of all races and you
7: know people are just we needed the Bus right. every club to do the uh... Halftime show. Wound
6: up. And the yeah. only thing I was offended by was Mary J. Blige's wig. It was it was awesome. a oh, very God.
5: intense wig. It was so ugly. Really, it really was. A really intense <laughs> wig. It was
6: heinous. We
0: have Michelle on the phone. The only thing I'll say as we trend transition into the interview is I just wish all the rappers would have grabbed their crotch more than they did. I think they only grabbed their crotch about 50 times. You got to do it. On national television, they're standing there grabbing their crotch, gyrating their hips. That's what I want my 8-year-old to see. It's
6: 80s and 90s culture. It's just how it was.
0: I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Black, our special guest. Michelle, how are you?
8: Hi, I'm good. How are you?
0: Magnificent Michelle Black, the shocking and affecting memoir from a gold star widow searching for the truth behind her Green Beret husband's death. This book bears witness to the true sacrifices made by military families. What I want to do, Michelle, is just shut up and listen to what you have to say because I've done a lot of uh, a lot of com- well, not they're not commercials; they're they're announcements uh, for Gold Star Families. Uh, did a lot of voiceover for Gold Star Families, and it was my great pleasure to do that. I want you to know.
8: Thank you. I, yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Old store family. I mean, that's definitely not anything I ever thought I'd be, and it's, you know, definitely not something a person ever wants. So. No,
0: you don't want it to be. When Green Beret Brian Black was killed in an ambush in Niger in 2017, his wife Michelle saw her worst nightmare become a reality. She was left alone with her grief and two young sons to raise, but what followed Brian's death was even more difficult a journey for the young widow after receiving very few details about the attack that took her husband's life. It was up to Michelle to find the answers. It became her mission to learn the truth about that day in Niger and sacrifices the result of that mission. As I said, I want to be quiet and just hear all about it, Michelle. First of all, sorry for your loss. What yes. a what a horrible thing to have to go through.
8: Thank you so much. Yeah, we um you know it was 2017, October 4th, was when he was killed in, in the uh, ambush in Niger, and it was the largest, largest loss of life on the continent of Africa since the Battle of Mogadishu, which everybody knows as Black Hawk Down. Um, and my, my book was really born out of um, injustice and the, the desire to write that for everybody involved, the other families, because there were four Americans killed, and for the men on the ground who were being blamed and then punished for what we were being told was their fault um what happened was we initially got word that everybody had been killed and then it was followed by just a huge explosion of media because of the fact that it was the largest loss of life and it was um green beret a green beret team um and then what followed that was an investigation opened right away, and the team instantly became, came under attack. Um, we were told that the team captain had led um, the team on a rogue mission, that they were hunting down a terrorist, which if you know Green Berets, um, and I knew my husband, there's no way there was any truth to this. But that's what the media was saying they had heard from investigators um, right out of the gate. And we, um, just a few months later, it was six months until the investigation was complete. And so during that time, um, the rhetoric amped up against the team. And then there was a video released, um, a head cam video had been stolen by the terrorists off the body of one of the men um, who was killed. And they created a terrorist propaganda video in which they showed the deaths of my husband, Staff Sergeant Brian Black, um, Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright, and Sergeant um, First Class um, Jeremiah Johnson. And that spread, first CBS released it, and then it spread across um, all forms of social media. Sorry, I get <laughs> I get a little choked up thinking about it. I can it, understand but, that, um, absolutely. Ridiculous. And, yeah, my children saw it, so it, it, it you know, and, and each of those men, um, Jeremiah Johnson had children. And they saw it, and it's just its awful. My kids were 9 and 11 at the time, and his were um, teenagers. So it, it just was horrific. And in the end, we went into our family brief thinking, okay, at least finally we'll know the truth, we'll get a little bit of justice, and the investigators lied to us. And it was obvious. Every time I pushed for... Um, anything as far as detailed timelines and questioned them about the concept of operations, which was their proof that the team went rogue, they avoided those questions and um, either gave me half-truths or outright lies. And the final straw was when General Waldhauser, the four-star commanding general overall of AFRICOM, went on Um, national TV, and said that while all teams on the continent were performing optimally, my husband's team was not indicative of what special operators do. (laughs) And in one fell swoop, he just annihilated that entire team, including the men who died. And my husband, he spoke three languages. Um, He spoke Hausa, he spoke modern standard Arabic, and he spoke French. He taught himself two of those languages. He was a national chess champion as a kid. He was one of the most intelligent men I'd ever knew, skilled in hand-to-hand combat. He was more than worthy of the title of Green Beret. And uh, to say that he, he was not, you know, indicative of a special operator was the most insulting thing I had ever heard in my life. And I wasn't going to let him, um, I, w- I wasn't going to let them do that to him in his death. That was, Michelle, why was so dishonoring.
0: Did you ever figure out why they did do, Why do they do this?
8: Right my belief is that there were there were some um, higher level officers who were responsible for everything that they ended up punishing others for but I believe there were protections around those officers because they've continued to move up the chain um, we did manage to get one blocked but the other one I think he's probably got some really high-level connections because I can't find anything on him. It's like his whole file just got scrubbed. And so from what I've heard here and there, he's still moving along um, and moving up the chain. But he was responsible not only for... What they punished people for was um, lack of pre-deployment training and for um, bad con-ops. But the problem was that this specific... Lieutenant Colonel, his name is David Painter. He actually wrote the two con ops that directly led to the ambush. And the uh, the second one that he wrote had all sorts of issues with, Um, there were things missing from it, including a second risk assessment before sending my husband's team alone to the border, which would have determined whether or not they should have been going alone because the risk was too high for them, which it was, and they didn't have enough assets, air assets. They didn't have any assets actually. Um, so he's the one who wrote that, all that paperwork and pushed them ahead against their will. Um, so they had asked to return to base, and he said, no, I want you to do this mission. And on top of it, he was the one responsible for validating all of their pre-deployment training. And yet, he was not punished. Instead, those lower down the chain were.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what a shock that management didn't take a hit. Hard to believe. Um, how do you explain this to your sons? Why um, the government would do this to their father?
8: You know, they, they were young when Brian was killed. They were 9 and 11, and now they are 13 and 15. And I explained that, you know, the government is a big entity, and there are lots of good people in it. And there are, of course, as in any large organization, there are bad people. And unfortunately, there were some bad people who were self centered in this situation with their dad. I don't believe the military is a bad organization. I love the military, mm-hmm. and I'd, be, right. I'd love it if my kids served. They want to serve. Um, but I do think there are a few individuals who, you know, were allowed to get away with things that they shouldn't have been allowed to get away with, and that's something that hopefully we can work on fixing. Um, but that was kind of why I did, I wrote this book, and that's what I've taught my kids is you don't get to just accept what you're told. You know, you can go find the truth out for yourself. You don't have to wait for someone to bring the truth to you. So that's what I did. And I know that they'll see that in the future. And if anything ever happens, you know, in in a similar way to them, they'll know that they can go and do what they need to do to get to the truth or to get what did they you, need.
6: Did do you ever contact a journalist to try to help get your story out?
8: No, at that point, because... Um, There were even basic facts that journalists were getting wrong, and I had reached a point where I didn't trust anybody. I knew that I could get the absolute truth from the men on the team, and I I talked to the former SOC Africa commander. He had just left um, right before this happened, so he interviewed with me, Don Bolduck. Major Alan Van Sam lost his career over it, even though he was on paternity leave when the ambush happened. Um, and he was the one who was blamed for the uh, training, which he wasn't there for and didn't validate. Um, so, yeah, so he ended up, he um, interviewed with me as well as there was a Helleborn unit that was supposed to be there on the ground, but they got turned around due to weather. So I spoke with their commanding, um, their commander over their team. So he interviewed with me as well as the survivors of my husband's team.
6: Wow. Were you, were you told to shut up, lady? Uh,
8: no, I think they. I think no one believed me that I would be able to do this. I'm just an Army <sighs> wife, right? So, great. I love, you know, that's the best thing about being underestimated. So, right. um, <laughs> I think when it actually came out, it was like, wait, <laughs> she pulled this off. So, um, yeah.
1: Did the people that were punished, did they... Um use this as a defense, or did they just take their punishment?
8: Well, what happened was initially the captain of the team was the main one who was held accountable that hadn't, you know, it, his, they were the one that they, uh, was being said, like, all across the media and whatever, we were being told he went rogue. And so he was the main one that came under attack. And then, of course, Major Alan Van San, which I didn't know about him until later, because he just kind of accepted the punishment, frustrated, fought for himself, and then left. Um, so I didn't know all that was going on with, with Major Alan Van San until later. And he, by then, he was already out of the military. Um, but may, um, Captain Perizzini, he was being blamed for lack of pre-mission rehearsals. And which was ridiculous because by the time I ran all of like after I interviewed him, I realized um, I interviewed him in, I want to say summer 2018 and his punishment was handed down in September 2018. And so by then I already knew enough of the details to know that he wasn't at fault for lack of pre-mission rehearsals because it was a short suspense mission, which means it was handed down super fast. They wouldn't have had any time. They had an hour between the mission being handed down and having to move out for the mission, and they hadn't slept. Um, So it was kind of like a movement through the night, and then it was handed to them, and they had an hour to either sleep or do mission rehearsals. So because of that, um, I knew better. So I wrote a letter for him to defend him, and my father-in-law wrote a letter for him. And I think because a little bit of heat was coming from not just – um him fighting back but also that the family members knew and um, that looks really bad so they actually rescinded that initial punishment and then they did a second round of punishments, and then handed him another go more so um and then that one got rescinded as well because once again will wrote letters etc
0: Michelle, why, was it necessary? why did they think it was necessary to throw your husband and all the other people um, in this uh, mission under the bus? Why, why did they even think they had to do that? I don't get it.
8: Um, because I think it was easier to blame those lowest on the ground than have to explain who was truly responsible for the mission. It's easier to say these guys, first of all, they were under gag orders. So they couldn't stand up for themselves, and mm-hmm. they're lowest down the chain. So if they fight back at all, um, they just get punished, you know. Either way, so either they accept their go-mores and hope to just. I, I and I think, as far as my, you know, it, it's hard to say. My my best guess is that they value officers more in this situation than they valued the men on the ground somebody did
0: but see that makes no sense to me the men and women on the ground are the ones getting the job done i would put more power in their hands not less
8: exactly but the structure of the military is top down and and right now that's you know not working out very well for those on the ground
0: No, it really is not. Well, you know what, that's kind of the world right now. Everybody sitting at the top thinks they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. It's disgusting. I, I, you know, nothing this severe, I have not gone through anything nearly as bad as you've gone through. But Michelle, it does sound like you're handling this very, very well. I mean, obviously you're going to get choked up once in a while, but you were there as a strong mom for your boys, it sounds like.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that the top-down structure in the military is great and it's necessary, but we need to have some sort of um, oversight as far as the officers and when a situation like this happens. I think the worst problem that we ran into specifically in my, in my um, experience with, with the Niger incident is that AFRICOM, the Africa Command, um, they investigated themselves. So a four star uh-huh. command investigating a four star command, which then of course they found no fault at the higher levels. They only right. started at the lowest right. levels. And then of course they they got to say, Well now you need to punish your people down. You know, they got to tell the three star command that now you need to punish your people. So you know, we need to have some, some rules put in place to keep that from happening again.
0: So you said your boys want to and what what are the first names of your boys?
8: <laughs> Ezekiel and Isaac.
0: Ezekiel and I, Ooh, Big Shot. Those are pretty snazzy <laughs> names, I'd say.
8: Yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> it just goes, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So, how are they doing with this whole thing? They were nine and eleven now, thirteen and fifteen. How, how are they de- dealing with it? I mean, obviously, they hear the sadness in your voice, and I'm sure you have days where it's a lot harder than other days. How are the boys dealing with it? You know,
8: they're they're doing it, um, dealing with it really well. Um kids are very resilient, and I try to teach them to be strong and positive and find the good things rather than the bad things and my oldest son is on the spectrum and autism spectrum and he you know he's always had to overcome it life has just always been a, a harder it's been harder for him and now he's getting straight A's in school in high school, and he tells me every day he's like, i just I don't want to make the loss of my dad become um, something that I use to be a victim and, mm-hmm. and to make my life harder. He goes, I want to use it to make myself stronger and a better human being. Um, and that's kind of what I try to teach them is like your dad went all out for the little bit of life he had. Um, so just go out and, you know, live it up as long as you've got, cause you don't know how long you have and you know, take full advantage and don't be a victim. Because there's a lot of people out there who have it a lot worse than you do, and so they—they're yeah. doing good.
0: No, I'm glad to hear that. Do they ever? Do they realize maybe, maybe uh, they could, you could—I'm sure they do realize, but in case they don't, that uh, their father being a Green Beret was a very tough guy, but their mother might be even tougher. <laughs> <laughs> In different aspects, perhaps. <laughs> in different aspects, exactly. Yeah. In different aspects. But that, you could see why a Green Beret would be attracted to you because you're a very strong human being. Obviously, to be in the Green Beret, you have to be a really strong human being. But I could see why you had such a great relationship because you thought the same way. It's like we, we will stand here. We're not going to back down. You can just keep firing away at us if you want to, but we're not moving and we're not backing down. I really admire that in you, Michelle.
8: Thank
0: you so much. Well, it's only because it's true. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) telling you. It's only because it's true. Um, I need to take a very quick break. You have about 10 more minutes. Does that work? Okay, we'll be right back in a couple minutes. Michelle Black with us. The book is called Sacrifice, A Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. Right back. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan's Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new for 2022 We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Michelle Black, our special guest. Sacrifice a gold star widow's fight for the truth. It's uh, available on Amazon and just about everywhere. I know there are people uh, in uh, in Studio A that have some questions, I'm sure, and I just want to make sure I get out of your way because we only have about ten more minutes left with Michelle.
6: Can I just tell a cute little story? Oh, love to hear it. Okay, so I was taking my um, three-year-old grandson for a walk, and we went through this park, and it has a gold star... Um, memorial. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and he wanted to look at it, and I read the whole thing. We talked about what a Gold Star family is, and I taught him how to salute, and we, you know, he was he was really into it, and it was very touching. I was like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Three four hours later, do you want to tell Bop Bop what a Gold Star family is? He says, I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
8: yeah, there you
0: go. He didn't know if he wanted to tell me is what he meant by that
6: No I think it was just too much information yeah. not great with the memory on that mm-hmm. one yeah, it was pretty fun it was pretty funny <coughs> yeah
0: I think it's wonderful yeah
6: I mean he was really into it though he liked he liked the you know understanding it and he really liked learning how to salute but he's only three to well go, so for the rest of the, a
5: break for the rest of the trip though he would run to the door anytime we were going back to the condo and stand in front of the door and salute.
0: Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he did
1: learn something. Yep. He <laughs> He learned something. He yeah. Michelle, um, yeah. did you play any role in the congressional the the con- congressional review because it looks like they did a number of uh at least investigations into it. Um, did did you guys play any role as far as testimony or any of the evidence that you were finding?
8: No. No, I didn't. Um, I think Uh, You know, I don't really know how all of that went down. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, And like I said, I don't think many people realized I was writing a book, and it was taking all my effort between raising the kids, doing the interviews, and writing. um, And we moved across (laughs) country during that time. So um, a lot of that happened, and I was like, oh, this is great. I wish I would have, you know, been aware and been a part, but no
1: what did you find in there michael it was just the the different testimonies i was just reading about that and and what a couple of them uh said because it sounds like a couple of them got it completely wrong based upon what they were being told um and i i just bought the book too so i'm, I'm really interested in just the overall uh work you've done and thank you for the, what you've done for our country both in the sacrifice and what you do as a as a wife
8: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say it's it's been, you know, the greatest honor of my life that I could do this and that the men on the team trusted me. Because Green Berets, they don't talk. Um, Right. They don't talk to anyone. So that was, you know, um, and, and you'll find in the book. I, because of that I went out of my way to learn as much as I could so when I wrote the section on the ground it's extremely detailed I wanted it to be written as though I was a special operator but you know so I would have the same um, knowledge that they would have so it's very thorough because it's what I wanted and what the other families wanted and deserved from the military which was a breakdown minute by minute of what happened and um, you know, how they ended up in that position and why they should not have and who was actually responsible.
0: Michelle, how old were you and, uh, and your husband when you met, Brian, <laughs> when, when you and Brian met, how old were both of you?
8: Oh gosh, well, he was five years younger than me, so <laughs> he was brilliant. He um, graduated high school um, at the same time as getting his two-year degree from college. So when I met him, he just graduated with his four-year degree, and he was 20, and I was 25. And um, he actually was dating a friend of mine, and um, two years later we were married, and I was 27, he was 22.
0: <laughs> and he told you at, at one point he wanted to become a Green Beret? Did he Did he know in that age range that, that this is what I want to do?
8: He would wanted to be a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL from the time he was... Probably ten years old. Oh, okay. Um So I always knew that was in the back of his mind. Um, when I met him, he was playing online poker for a living, ironically. And, um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he made. He actually wanted to be a day trader um, with stocks, and a friend of his who was really successful at it told him, "Well, you need to learn." risk management measures first, so why don't you go ahead and um, play online poker for a living? It'll help you learn how to manage risk. And so mm-hmm. he started doing that and started making such good money that um, he stuck with that for a few years. And then banking laws tightened and it became risky to um, put money onto the accounts and to take them off. Um, and that's basically what ended online gaming was the fact that you had to put your money in offshore accounts in order to um, move him into poker, mm-hmm. um, right. online poker. Yeah.
0: So when he he did make the announcement, at what age that he wanted to join the United States Army and become a, a Green Beret? How old was he then?
8: Well, we've been married for about three years, so he was twenty. I he was twenty five or twenty six when he joined. So he was older.
0: And did you come? Did you talk? Try to talk him out of it? Did you support him? Did you try to talk him into it? How, what was your take on it?
8: I. Told him, it, you know, at that point, we had, like I said, we had a child on the autism spectrum. So one of us had to be home all the time. And right. I said, you know, if that's what you want to do to support the family and that'll make you happy, um, you should do what's going to make you happy right now because you have to do it all the time. So I supported him.
0: And now, I mean, how old was he when he died again?
8: He was 35.
0: He's only 35. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what an amazing story you have. The book is available everywhere Sacrifice a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. I am so glad that we got the chance to meet today and talk today. Uh, like, like I said, you're a very, very strong person. I can see why Brian was interested in a woman and i mean the five years is not that much anyway although i'm eight years older than Catherine, and she keeps insisting she's like 28 years younger than me but you know other than that
6: who does that so,
0: who do, what <laughs> who does it well michelle yeah. uh all the best to you and your family and i, I know you must have you still have nights when you lie in bed and go why did this have to happen yeah. But. Yeah. Show some faith, and you'll get through this. You will absolutely get through. Well, you're a very strong person, anyway, Michelle. Thank you very much for your time today.
8: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Have a good day. Bye.
8: You too.
0: Bye bye. I was going to ask a question to Catherine. I said, Can you "Imagine what that would have been like when you know Andy and Alex and, <laughs> oh. and you're at home, and I would have got killed." You then, yeah. So, uh, uh, so what? Okay,
6: what's up with you today? <laughs> what <laughs> when, when is this all about? Great question.
0: Well, I'm teasing. I'm teasing your mom cuz it's Valentine's Day and she gave me the stiff arm. Said, eh, "I don't have any cards or anything for you."
6: Uh, I cannot find. <laughs> Alex, did you take? No, I did not take Valentine's them. thing. You never gave okay, them them to a, me. Okay, there's a there's a bag of Valentine's stuff somewhere. Cards somewhere. <laughs> you were supposed to take home some <laughs> candies <laughs> to the kids. You never gave <laughs> them I have to me. looked. Everywhere. <laughs> Maybe it's with I'm my gonna... shoes and
5: other clothes that you put in a random bag in I your closet. I did not put it in there. That you was absolutely you. did. No, nope. you <laughs> definitely did it. <laughs> All
6: right.
0: So where where is it? We
6: don't know. The can the Valentine stuff is missing. <clears throat> it's still missing because you mentioned oh, it. You well, it yeah. was it was there. candy, so I would have definitely put it high up, so yeah, yeah, Jude so couldn't have gotten it. it. I've looked in every high up area that we have in this space. Yeah. I don't understand where it is. You
5: mentioned it to me while I was there. You were like, Oh, we can't forget and then I was like, Oh, we forgot and now they're missing. Like
6: lots of other yeah, things. Yeah, you forgot the forty five pounds of candy that Becky you brought forgot over 45 from England. Forty five pounds of British candy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Well I couldn't have put yeah. it I couldn't have fit it in my bag anyway. I don't know where I would have had to bring another bag just for candy.
6: <coughs> yeah, you would have had to bring the candy. I would have had yeah, to have an above Yeah, I just had
5: my backpack which was full. So I was like, Well, I don't Well, yeah, I forgot it anyway, and it was a lot of candy.
0: It
6: was a lot.
0: Yeah. And where is it? Did you put it up on a shelf or something? Because it's not going to last until you, until,
6: yeah, it was in the closet up on the shelf because the kids kept getting into it every chance they got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mom said, yeah, I found them
5: in there one time with the lights off, with the light bright, eating candy. I was like, (laughs) 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 all right. Unbelievable. How much candy have you eaten? One. One piece. Mm -hmm. Three. Two piece. Five. Three, maybe five. I was like,
6: <laughs> I was like five. five?
5: Was it more than five? No. no, no, it was three. Five.
6: They were like, no, yeah, it's five. she knows an five. acceptable amount is three. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
5: I was like, I get it. You get a giant bag of candy and you just go wild. Yeah, you do. Me too. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. And British uh, candy is better
6: than American candy. Well, it's all true, I'm sure.
5: Yeah, Cadbury is
6: better in the English better kind. It's not as
5: sweet. I don't like milk chocolate. Like, I mean, if you gave me milk chocolate, I'd be like sweet, thanks, and I'd eat it. But I like, wouldn't... Like, I prefer dark.
6: Ugh. hmm
5: See...
7: Most people hate dark chocolate, know. but I, know. I don't know. But it's always... just milk
5: chocolate's just too, like, sweet, and you can, like, crunch sugar in it a lot of the time, and that I'm like, true, get this yes. out of here. So, and... British chocolate just isn't as sweet, so it's, like, the perfect balance between not too dark and, like, bitter. Mm
2: -hmm. It's
5: good stuff. And then they have all of their gummies don't have artificial food coloring in them, which my kids can't have red food coloring. And so they got to eat all the, like, pink and rainbow gummy candy they could want, which was, like, their dream. That's why they snuck it into a closet with a light bright. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> they snuck so into like the closet fu- with a light well, like
5: today is going to be rough because it's valentine's day and they're both having valentine's day parties at their school and everything right. has everything red, red and pink yep. food coloring everything in it. Is red. and so they bring home all this stuff and i have to be like well you can't eat any of it yeah. and then they're mad at me and i'm like okay maybe blame america for allowing
0: red food coloring
5: <laughs> not my problem
0: exactly I don't know. We're blaming America you know, for the all so the realms. Alex,
6: did you watch the Super Bowl? Did you watch I the did. halftime I show? watched
5: it until it was like halfway through the last quarter. Sage woke up, and then I was like, well, just go to sleep now. And so I didn't watch the end of it, but I saw most of it, yes.
6: So what did you think? I mean, you're kind of a child of the time.
5: I'm a child of the time. Whatever that was. Well, because it was mostly 90s
6: rappers, wasn't it? I mean, they were pretty old school. Yes. Was there? other than no
0: he, it was did he like his own no, no humpty it was
6: it was snoop, snoop Dogg, Dogg
0: dr. dr dre eminem well, kendrick that, lamar's kendrick lamar. the only that is very not, like not, random they late
5: kendrick, 90s yeah. they threw kendrick lamar in there because it's like youth needs something yeah. Yeah. he is so <laughs> small
2: oh yeah he's not big Tiny. oh my god yeah. when he
5: was around all those men because they had a bunch of men surrounding him and i was just like and then he came out of the group of men and he was in front of all of them and i was like how he's like five six, I think is what yeah, I googled five, it. I was like, wow. yeah, actually, I kept making Dan Google so many things during because like, <laughs> have as a person with ADHD, like I think of things and I'm like, I need to find this out immediately. And I didn't have my phone with me; it was dead. And so I was like, Dan, will you look this up? Dan, will you look this up? And then I stopped asking him because I was like, well, I don't want him to be annoyed with my questions. And then I would just ask questions of like, I wonder how tall <laughs> Kendrick Lamar is. He doesn't seem tall. And he's like.
7: Do you want me to Google? <laughs> he is much shorter than Taylor Swift like a head. Yeah, Taylor Swift is small. <laughs> He's a head
5: shorter than Canada. Taylor Swift. Lamar is very yeah. small. Yeah, and then 50 yeah. cent just appeared upside down. Yeah, he was
2: very down. random, yeah. Doing some sit-ups. So
6: mm-hmm. weird. And Mary J. Why was he Mary upside J. down. I don't Cuz in the in the original
2: down. music video for the song, that was like his thing. He was upside down oh, like a laboratory. It's so out. sad that you yeah. know that. That's uh, you know what? Somebody's got to be the the culture on the show. The culture, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw culture, yes,
5: I saw a meme that said, "Can we get a hologram Tupac?" and then it was like the Uh, um pawn stars guys and like best we can do is an upside down 50 cents
8: i I know
6: i i I really have a hard time understanding all the outrage about it i really do i mean it was just a matter of time before we're gonna have a rap you know yeah. Yeah. Time I'm shot. surprised it well, hasn't I mean, happened before.
2: And it wasn't I, even that yeah. bad.
5: No, like, and I like, I, it
2: wasn't that.
5: Bad. I, it was right. There wasn't
2: so anything. Funny. It was just normal. I mean,
5: Snoop Dogg's little tracksuit was adorable. Mm. I was like, I want that tracksuit. His suit.
2: wife was wearing in a matching tracksuit. Oh I my god!
5: Bless him Bless him. But <laughs> Somebody they
2: married him. I don't know yeah, if his wife worth about in I'm sure oh, it's wife or wife. Yeah. yeah,
5: they had like a reality show together for a while, mm-hmm.
2: and like all of his
5: children were there. Because yeah, he was
2: back when he would coach yeah. little league football mm-hmm. out in California. Yep. Yep.
5: And then he coached the Puppy Bowl.
2: He did. Yep, coach Him and Martha Bobby Stewart
5: ball. were Puppy Bowl coach coaches. Coach a
2: puppy? There's no I, way. They were just.
5: They weren't. Yeah. It
0: was they,
7: hilarious.
5: They're though. not going to
0: listen to a thing you say. Yeah. So Tevin, I need you to do something since you're the only black man in America today on the on the show this morning. Yep. Could you, for the rest of the show, grab your crotch like all the rappers Please did on the during Super that. Bowl? Please don't lunch do that.
5: Show? I would be very uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, come on, just come on, seven. Really was, Be a rapper. Just I grab was, your junk on international television.
5: I was very excited though because there's these three dancers that I follow on Instagram and have for years, and they were in the show. All of a sudden, they like showed up in one of the little boxes, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's them!" Really? It
6: was, yeah, it was very exciting for me. Well, Michael Jackson used to do that, and he wasn't really a, he wasn't a rapper.
7: No. Oh, yeah, he did that he all the time. He yeah. the time. the, kind uh, of the there's thing, there's guys, a, do.
5: And he, at one point, was black.
7: At one point, <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> there's yeah. a uh, Sega Genesis out, game yeah. Yeah.
7: called Michael Jackson's Moodwalker, where you play as Michael Jackson. Oh, really? And one of the special moves you can do, <laughs> just you just your grab your crotch. Yeah? That's it. Yeah. It doesn't do he anything. You can, just, you can just do it. You,
5: can it if do you feel it. like it? Yep. Oh, my gosh. He might have started it, even. I think he might have. I
7: think he might have. I don't know. Well,. If anyone started it, I would say it's either him or maybe like Elvis. Did Elvis ever do that? No, he, no, did, Elvis he did not. No, I no, can find, find, a, find
2: a video of Elvis grabbing his crotch so all these white people can sh- <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs>
0: yeah, there you go. I don't know. I don't what do you care. mean, white it people? Listen to you, you racist. It doesn't. Baseball players me. have done it forever.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a
0: little different yeah. though. Adjusting I, their cup.
5: Also, Dr. Dre looks fantastic. He does not mm-hmm. age. What is going on? Like he
6: looks the same as like twenty years ago. Yeah, you're right. He has be, like,
2: Sixty. Yeah.
0: He,
6: yeah,
7: he is 56. Good
6: for him. Probably has a really good facialist. Probably. Oh
7: God, I'm sure he's had a lot of work. Everyone's Probably. had a lot of work done in the entertain, entertainment uh, business.
6: Yeah, the other weird thing about the Super Bowl to me was most of the commercials were just like recycling yeah. vintage actors. Yeah. I was like, what is and this all them,
5: about? Some of them didn't make any sense. I was like, so many Super Bowl commercials. I'm like, what is this a commercial for? Like, what are you trying to sell? Like, until the very end when the, like, you know, mm. icon shows up. Icon. That's not what I'm trying to say. Logo? Logo. There we go. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Who scanned the QR code?
1: Oh, my, one of my
5: friends. Q- yeah.
2: yeah that was weird, that ping-ponging yeah, across really the weird. screen like that. I
5: know. Yeah, I was like, and again, I didn't have my phone. So I was like, Dan, scan the QR code. Well, I, thought I was that. like, I know it's a cryptocurrency thing. I can just feel it.
6: I thought most of the commercials were a big disappointment yes the e-trade one with the little kid sitting there chopping wood and he's retired and he takes oh, a baby. swig out of his yeah. sippy cup oh my gosh the kids <laughs> thought that, that was w- cute the
5: kids thought that was hilarious because we watched oh, I loved that. we watched like the first cute. half hour with them before they went to bed and yeah they thought that was really funny
6: yeah, i thought it was a pretty good game all in all. in Yeah. To tell you the truth. like
5: it wasn't boring or anything like super bowl games can sometimes be like and well I'll, it was yeah, very exciting
6: Ow. Oh, they didn't throw any flags. Hardly. Van, he's a wide Jefferson receiver. Jefferson yep. had to go to the hospital his, after, after yep. his wife. Yeah. His
5: wife just went into labor during the game and he like ran uh, from winning the Super Bowl to the hospital uh, and his baby was born at like 9 p.m. Wow. Day. Big day for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, she was 40 weeks pregnant. So yeah,
0: it's time it's Bound to happen. 40 weeks pregnant. I mean Jesus.
5: months weeks, yeah, months. 40 months pregnant. 40, She's a 40, a whale 40 whale months yeah oh, just, <laughs> it sounds like a, 3 years. <clears throat> 40, 40 sounds came out smoking cigarettes. Yeah,
6: I know, 3 feet. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I thought like I said, I there's all this outrage running around about the, the, the how many murderers got to perform
2: put a couple black people on super- stage and everybody's outraged. <laughs>
6: Well, yeah. although
2: like s- sexual people. assaulters, Yeah, and he's he definitely sexually assaulted somebody. Um, yeah.
5: And isn't mm-hmm. didn't 50 cent? No, he got shot he, in the he face. He he got nine shot times. 9 times. Yeah. 9 times. Yep. I don't know. That's and literally I, all I I was know about him. as I was watching it, I was like there's going to be people that are like Eminem's the only white guy in the whole thing and this is not equal mm. representation and blah 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 oh, I was like I God, knew I'm
7: sick of that that was gonna happen Where are all but... the Asian rappers all right Yeah where are
5: the Mexicans Where's mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> Eastern Indians Where's like native people? Where's I, I know, know And then what's... they were all upset
6: that Eminem <clears throat> took a knee. It's like who cares? Yeah, which I didn't gym, even like, know why he took it until he, he looked like
5: he was yeah. crying when he was taking
7: the knee.
6: His Probably body was.
5: was like I think he was shaking.
6: I think he was acting. Yeah, think he Eminem been.
5: also looks great. Performative. Like, he doesn't look like he's
7: aged. Well, we'll have Ralph on tomorrow, and he can explain why. <laughs> he can tell us
6: why Dr. Ray and Eminem explain the procedures. Look so you
0: good. mean we'll have a cosmetic surgeon tell us why people stay long, young looking yeah. for so long? <laughs> yes. Botox. Botox. I think that's hilarious. Why don't we take a break here? Be back in about seven minutes with hour two, which of course will include Kostaki Economopoulos. Now we're talking.
3: Take it from Zap, They ship today.
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen, hour two with the family. Uh, Okay, so Andy, Alex, 33, 31, give me your take on what uh, Jill had to say. No comment. Okay, no comment. Andy didn't agree with any of it.
7: About what? Some of it. College, I 100% agree on. What's that? That it's too expensive. It's all corrupt. That it yeah. needs to be torn down and rebuilt.
0: Okay, but I, am I wrong? But she said it was conservative politicians that are the problem, and then she blamed it all on Bill Clinton. Didn't she do? Didn't she say Bill Clinton? No, she said Bill Clinton unfettered
7: Sally May or something. yeah, that's
9: that's what increased the, uh, that's the, what tuition, increased the tuition and that's oh. what triggered that sort of stuff. So that's what caused that. But she also mentioned that, you know, oh, there were grants available. I had no grants available to me yeah. when I went to college because my parents made too much money. Oh, my yeah. and my yeah. mu they just so I was in an income at that time, and I, and we lived we, i we didn't live in a palatial state. It's just that both my parents worked. they were both professionals. And no, I had no access to that. I well, had none.
7: Zero. If you look at the cost of tuition for inflation, mm-hmm. it all does start right at nineteen eighty one. So something happened Reagan. there. That's Ronnie Reagan. So something happened there, but nothing it's a it's a geometric increase since then. It increased basically the same amount every year since then for the past forty years. Really? So he may have started the train but no one has tried to stop it. So you but, do wonder about that because yeah, that if really you look though. at it, every single year just about the same amount of increase and it, it hasn't slowed down, it hasn't accelerated anything. So, well.
9: so if, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if you if you you know, I, when I went to Arizona State University I was an outstate resident and it was twenty five hundred dollars a year for outstate resident tuition. And I bet you you can't touch that for 25000 now.
0: The one day that I went to college, I paid for a quarter. It only went one day. It was It was uh, not a quarter. It was a semester. What are they, two semesters? You paid yeah.
5: for it and went one day? Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Uh, $900. No, that was for the year. It was not for the semester. It was for the whole year. $900. Nine hundred bucks a year when I when I went to the U. Well, that's I was just I was just
5: looking at St. Kate's. So as a St. Kate's graduate, I can take a semester or a class per semester for free for the rest of my life. There you go. Um, And so I was looking at some classes, just like online, something fun, you know, and a master's program, a two-year master's program. Now is. 30 credits i think and it was almost 900 dollars per credit
7: yikes Jeez, isn't that amazing that's yeah. ridiculous i'm paying like <laughs> God. uh i think well let's see i did 31 credits this semester and i paid 3500 so. 100 bucks
0: a little over 100 bucks yeah, because,
5: like, Natalie, my friend who lives in Fargo, she's like, oh, I'll take one of the classes with you. Like, that would be fun to do mm-hmm. together because they're online and she lives in Fargo. So it would right. be, like, that would be perfect. And I was like, yeah, it would be almost $4,000 for you to mm-hmm. take yeah. a four-credit class.
0: <laughs> so basically, if we said that Ronald Reagan in 1981 did something to start all this, you can't just hang it on him because then Bill Clinton comes along with the Sally Sally Mae. Is it Sally Mae? Is that who it is? I think so. Uh, unfettered, uh, therefore you... Here's the biggest problem with what Bill Clinton did. He made it impossible to file bankruptcy against your student loan. You cannot include your student loans in a bankruptcy, which means they would give you five times more money if you asked for it. Because if you can't file bankruptcy, there's no risk for them.
9: Yeah, there's no risk. There's no risk of loss.
0: So he took the risk away, so all of a sudden, hey, we'll give you... 50, 70, 90 grand a year if you want it.
9: Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, the tuition's it. gonna go up because we're gonna take because it. Because we're gonna mm-hmm. take it. That's exactly it. So, so you're gonna have to take it. As long as there's demand, it's gonna go up. And it could have been Jimmy Carter did something that was triggered that.
0: That's true. That is true. Because Jimmy was there from seventy-seven to eighty-one. Because it was such yeah. a mess with uh, with did double double-digit 80, inflation,
9: double-digit unemployment, double-digit interest yeah. rates. That yeah, was true. at the end of Carter's. Regime, yeah. with the economy was a wreck.
0: Well, I remember I, I met Catherine in nineteen eighty. I think I met her. Was it eighty eight I met her in eighty one, and I know that I I at that time owned a home, but I could not get a mortgage for less than I think it was fifteen percent interest. Yep. And uh, so I was paying, and this was it was a nice house, but it wasn't that great a house? I think it was probably. I don't know how much it was back then. My payment was seven thousand dollars a month. Jeez. Seven grand a month for just an average house. This was not a snazzy house at all. It was in Brooklyn Park, as a matter of fact, not seven exactly your high tone area. Yeah. Seven grand a month,
9: and back the, then, and the other part of housing, so, you know, part of housing, particularly in rental housing, if it's so high, it's because of taxes. Yep. That now landlord that is he's got to pass correct. taxes. So taxes have gone up because of social program. I mean, there's there's some. It's it's a. It's not just a conservative problem. It's not just a liberal problem. This is an overall problem. It's it is, everybody's yes. responsibility.
0: And see, that's my argument. I don't want to hear that it's the Democrats. I don't want to hear that it's Republicans. It's both of you. You're both sticking it to us, and you know you are.
9: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but people will choose uh, people love to pick sides. Yes, they do. That's why we have a two party system instead of a bigger bigger group of people to choose from, because Americans particularly love to play for the home team, man. They just love it.
9: And that's why we have sports. And sports that's why, yeah. it's, exact, it's a it parallel a sport. to sports.
0: It is, absolutely it's a parallel to sports. It's the same exact thing. I'm with the winner. That's all I know. And even though I'm with the winning party because we're not being treated well, I'm a victim.
9: So we I got to a be a winner
0: her. and a victim. That's right. Who's a caller? Wendy. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. I'm never going to stop doing Hello. that. Clearly. What's up, sister?
4: That's okay. You know, I I think I would actually be sad if you didn't. I'm used <laughs> to it. Oh, yeah.
0: That's true. Um,
4: you know, for school, I, I mean, I can speak from pretty recent experience. I mean, me graduating a couple of years ago, and my daughter just graduating in the fall. And oh. okay. You know, I know, or last fall, part of the problem is, and this is something I just kind of roll my eyes about, is that one of the things that makes college so expensive is that universities, instead of investing in programs and, you know, things like that and making things affordable for students... They're like, oh, hey, we want to build this really expensive new building, and how are we going to pay for it? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, we have monthly fees that the students have to pay. They don't count it in the tuition. What they do is they say, oh, we have these fees that you have to pay every month. My daughter had 10 different fees that she had to pay at just a state university in Wisconsin, and they were all for different projects, some of which she never used. And but they're making students pay for all of them like that, and it added up to fair amount of money.
0: Oh God, yes, absolutely. Oh, you like, know, and on a
4: four-year degree, yeah, oh, books. But, and on a, on a 4 on a four-year degree, this is totally me. They do not need like the first two years. They have you know your generals. I don't think they need as many generals as they have. I mean, I know that yeah. they say they do it to make well-rounded students, but. You know, I took a world religions philosophy for the only reason, because I had to fulfill that humanities thing. I mean, I think I would have appreciated more classes actually on my major mm-hmm. than, you know, underwater basket weaving. <laughs> <laughs> just, just me. Yeah,
7: that would be great, wouldn't it? But it's understandable. That's how they get their money.
4: Well, and even though we paid half for the daughter's college, she still has, like, over $30,000 that she has to pay.
0: Oh, God.
4: And it is unbelievable. Like, wait a second. this is, It's a state university. The tuition was cheap, but she lived on campus, which, you know, it served its purpose. And it was just—I just kept looking and thinking, well, you know, you don't want to ask what more can you charge me for because I'll think of something.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah. very, very
9: true. Yeah, but yeah, the other choice, in education— is not going to university for the first two years or even three years. I have I have three people in my family, my wife, son, and daughter. They went to uh, junior college in LA, which was virtually free, virtually free, oh. and they finished their first yeah, two years there and then transferred.
4: That's what I did for mine. I, I did uh, you know shout out for anybody the you know the local community colleges around here. They mm-hmm. really are good. You know, so I got my associate's degree, and I transferred. But, you know, with the daughter, she has, you know, the Asperger's autism issues. So it provided the service that she lived on campus, and it really helped for socialization for her. So that, that's an investment well spent for us. But for me, I tried to save money wherever I could. And some of the classes you had to take just because they wanted a well-rounded student it were ridiculous. And, you know, then people ask you, what did you learn, you know, on that degree? I mean, I graduated with a 4.0. And they're like, oh, what did you learn? And it's, Honestly, I'm just as smart as I thought I was. You know, That's pretty much it.
9: You pretty much don't need all the universities that we have. We probably get by with 10 universities. Yeah. And if they, they start applying 24th, 21st century solutions to this 19th century, or no, not even 19th, 17th century problem. You know, what they should do is these classes should be online. Virtually all of them should be online. A professor can lecture Mm to 100 people. He can lecture to 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. It's the same words. They can take the same tests. The the tests can be standardized. You
4: know, know, the funniest part of it is they charge more for online classes.
9: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that so I much. I couldn't
4: believe it. I'm <laughs> like, why do you charge more for online classes? They they charge up to 20% more for online classes. Oh, my classes God,
0: what a scam. Because
4: I know, I know. I was paying like almost, I was paying uh, like in the college that I finished my degree at, which will go unnamed, um, they were charging like 20% more. And I said, why are you charging so much money for these classes? Well, you know, we have these technology fees. And I said, oh, how much different is that than the electricity and the heat that you have to use in the building? These should not be higher. And they said what they did was because the online classes can be taken with people from out of state, they kind mm. of took the out of state and the in-state and they averaged it. And I said, no, that's not right either.
0: What an amazing story. Oh, all right, sister. yeah, I need to run
4: my own college. I'm in the wrong racket.
0: Yeah, that's true. We don't become billionaires, maybe mm-hmm. trillionaires.
4: No kidding. All right, well, y'all have a good day now. You too, Wendy. Thank <laughs> you very much.
0: Bye. Wendy calling in. We'll be right back in a couple of seconds with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. That's Continuum, C-O-N-T-I-N-U-U-M, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing, life beyond weight loss mode. What is that song? Rock and Roll Doctor. Rock and Roll Doctor. Okay, we're going to get to... um... In just a couple of seconds, we want to talk for a bit about Veterans Airlift Command because it was a very oh, cool yeah. thing. We'll oh, talk yeah. about that in a second. But I want to bring one thing up. There's a question I have. Once again, I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I don't have. I'm not taking sides politically in this at all. But I do have a question. Uh, Jill just threw out the stat that black black youth do worse now as far as housing is concerned mm-hmm. than they did 70 years ago, right?
9: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, 70 years ago, they also started, they changed their party, went from Republican to Democrat, and have made no gains whatsoever in that 70 years, according to Jill. They've lost. They've lost. They've lost position. Why do you keep voting for the same party if they've done nothing? And I'm not saying that Republicans did anything for you before that. I'm not saying that at all. But why do you keep voting for a party that does nothing for you? I'll never understand why blacks keep, why do they all vote? democrat i don't get it nor do i i mean i'm not trying you know blasting the democratic party but i'm sorry i looked at it 70 years now they've been promising and promising promising and nothing ever happens
7: well black homeownership is another symptom of increased urbanization yeah that's true you know everyone's flocking to the cities prices are going up you know anyone can afford a house an hour and a half out of the city because they're yeah. all super cheap, because no one right, wants them. Right. But no one is willing to go out there and live the way that their grandparents did. You know, far away from everything. Every time you wanted to go right. to the store, you had to, you know, drive an hour. No one wants to do that. But the downside to not doing that is the fact that you're paying more. So, <laughs> right, you can choose. You can. People say it's like, you know, my ancestors paid so little for housing. But, well, yeah, but you're not living anywhere near the way they are. So why are you comparing the two?
0: I know. I just don't understand why, why that's even uh, compared. I did, I, I did like Jill. She made a couple of good points, a couple of things I didn't agree with. But, but I find it interesting that when I ask questions like, why do black people still vote Democrat, they think, oh, my God, you're conservative and you're over. No, I'm not. I'm asking you a question. That uh, you're convinced that that the Democrats are going to bring you out of whatever situation you're in, and they've never done it. So why do you keep thinking that?
9: And I've 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 I've, I've thought the same thing about uh, the Jewish vote. Typically, that leads liberal.
0: It does. Yeah, Yet, the
7: Ashkenazis do. Yep. Yeah, the uh, orthodox tend not to. They tend not to. Because oh, really? The, the orthodox, oh, yeah. The orthodox
0: tend to vote Republican. Well,
7: Ashkenazis are. I don't know about the statistics, but a lot of them are secular. They're not even really religious in any way. Right. So, of course, they're going to vote for the anti-religion party.
9: But, but it, it oh, for the anti-religion party.
7: Mm-hmm. It's basically what the Democrats are. They hate religion. Yep. So, so the
9: Ashkenazi should vote Republican.
7: No. Yes, Ashkenazis. Ashkenazi's aren't religious. They're, okay, secular. They're, not religious. They're, secular. they're secular. They're secular. They're very secular.
9: Okay, so that's not they're not really a religion. You can't really you shouldn't call them as a religion. They're,
7: exactly. It's an ethnicity. Cults. It's not an uh, Okay, there you go. Think you can call them
0: Jewish-ish? Jew-ish? <laughs> oh, get it? Oh, God. get it? think it's so funny. It a Jewish joke? Come on. I get it. Okay, never mind.
5: Ralph,
0: Ralph <laughs> likes <laughs> <it>. this. <laughs> great. See, I'm not really a Jew, <laughs> but I'm Jew-ish. See, get it? <laughs> Jew like <laughs> you like it. Oh. I'll ask Tony Lee tomorrow morning. Oh, be great. God
9: bless him. God but, bless him. But, but, again,
0: but you vote from whomever you want to vote for. It's your business. But you, it's the same arguments every four years, and nothing ever changes. Yeah. And as we keep repeating the same behavior every four years, <laughs> and nothing ever happens.
9: That's right.
0: So whose fault is that? Our own. That's
7: who. The People voting are bad popula- at pattern pop- recognition.
0: Yep. Very very bad yeah. at it. Okay, i got to mention this yesterday. To be on the tarmac out at, uh, out at Pr- Premier uh, at Flying Cloud mm-hmm. with four generations of people standing on the tarmac, this beautiful jet comes around. Doug Sprinthal saw the picture, and he goes, how did your father-in-law, when did he get a G5? And I'm like, he doesn't have a G5. <laughs> It's a place. Now, Don, and I didn't know this until Thanksgiving. I never knew. I knew that he got injured, that he got got wounded in yep. World War II. Then I always I thought he was shot. Him. He was shot and it was, his, their it was mortar in a mortar shrapnel. Mortar the But Well, if you're going to get shot, that's where to get shot. I thought it was in the back, too.
7: Yeah, I probably. just know
5: he has a shot in the
7: butt. Well, shrapnel tends to hit multiple places. Yeah. Yeah, the shrapnel tends to
5: yeah. I'm yeah. talking about the shot. So it was the butt. a bomb.
0: A bomb went off and he got the shrapnel <laughs> I'm from order, the i A mortar, A mortar, yeah, there you go, mortar. So Don, who's 93 years old, uh, moved back here from Arizona. And Alex and Andy's mom, Catherine, worked like a dog getting this thing going. Have she worked heard Maybe you've heard of Catherine, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> but she worked very, very hard to get this done. So we got uh, all of the Brandt families out there. Andy and Melissa are there. And of course, Alex and Fawny are there.
5: Well, we weren't even, I wasn't even going to be able to be there, but then mm-hmm. I could.
0: Luckily, it worked out. 6-8. So this plane comes, and first of all, it, it comes from, from west to east. And as it goes by in the distance, I go, there's this airplane right there. And everybody mm-hmm. went, no, no, that's a commercial jet. And I said, no, it's not. That's how big that jet is. <laughs> so there you it go. It wasn't that big. It, it was big. a damn a G5. Nice. Was I think big. it was a nine-seater. It was a nine-seater. I think yeah. Yeah,
9: yeah. but yeah, but it could be a you know, it could be a thirty-seater. Oh, I mean, yeah. You've it seen really the size was. of the seats. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a G5. It wasn't
0: a G5. It was it? It was a big jet. It was it a, a citation. G- I think okay. citation something. Yeah. But in any case, uh, I had the tail number. I would look it up. Yeah. And this is Alex's fault, Melissa by the does. way. Partly. I'm
2: sure.
0: Partly yeah. Alex's fault. So what? Uh, what? the plane lands, the pilot gets off, the well, the co pilot gets off, then the pilot gets off. And then as Don's getting off the airplane, I look over and Alex is all teary eyed. So then I get all teary eyed. I cried when he landed. I know.
5: I cried. Your fault I cried twice.
0: This is your fault that I teared up
5: okay yeah because i didn't inherit that whole thing from you
0: anyway you think it's from your mom God. you're saying that i'm an emotional guy is that what yeah you're saying?
5: maybe a little Tommy bit.
0: gets a little emotional <laughs> once in a while sometimes but to witness a 93 year old man getting off an airplane i did not know until last thanksgiving and i only knew then because i saw the plaque i had never seen this plaque he got every medal except pretty much the congressional medal of honor he was he still he's got the purple heart because he was you know the mortar round that hit him, uh, put the shrapnel all mm-hmm. up his back and in his butt cheeks or <laughs> wherever, okay. wherever it is. Oh, but crazy. the butt cheek ones they could take out, it's the ones in his back. They can't, they, they're they still in there apparently. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Usually they just leave them in mm-hmm.
0: unless they oh, have Oh, do to. they really?
9: Yeah. yeah, once it heals, his eyes will stay in, doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I suppose, but uh, he gets off the airplane. <clears throat> so Cat, Alex and I are called a little teary-eyed. And then the, the pilot points to the co-pilot and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce my co-pilot. He was a POW in Vietnam. So I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I can take this anymore. (laughs) So this guy could not have been a nicer guy. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. The place is, again, it's called Veterans Airlift (laughs) Command. It's Mm veteransairlift.org. If you want to donate, they pick these veterans up for free and fly them wherever you need yeah, them to no take. No
5: cost to the veteran. No or cost their to the veteran or this, their family. This guy owns. Unbelievable. The pilot owned the airplane. It was his yep. airplane, yep. and he lives somewhere in Arizona where he can just like go on his airplane and like out his back door yep. apparently, and fly it. And he does four trips a year for this veterans airlift command that
7: was one of them Mm -hmm. well to those people world war ii vets are like the legends oh god Mm -hmm. so they love being able to help world war ii vets because there's
0: not a whole lot of them left no god 93 well don was 16 when he went in so that shows you how young he's probably the youngest one out there he's
7: one of the youngest world war Two about so i just sure. got
5: so emotional because it's been such a long time coming and we yeah, thought he was going to move here in like april and then that didn't happen and, and then yeah. yeah and covid and he's been stuck in that horrible place he was living by himself he can't have any guests his wife dies at the very beginning and of he gets COVID. to look
0: at that every day where and
5: she living died in the like, same oh, yeah i know i'm just like he's just Ugh. been in such a horrible situation and it's mm-hmm
9: that's what we're doing. We're not very humane with regards to our elderly. No, no oh, we, we can't go not. touch them. We can't go hug them or anything. Oh, we can't hug your. You can't hug your father who has dementia. Oh my God, he might die. He might yeah. get COVID. Oh, he might get COVID. Oh, gee, don't touch him. I mean, it's just yeah. So I just, know
5: it's. We all hugged him. <laughs> we all. Everybody all, all hugged him.
9: The
7: last wonderful. year Fond they him enlisted. Patted on the shoulder. <laughs> he patted him on the shoulder. Good to see you. The last World War II vet would have enlisted in what? Forty five. Yes. So that was seventy five years ago. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you he's enlisted 90. in the last year,
5: it. he's ninety three at the
7: age yeah. of sixteen. Then yeah, you'd be ninety one 91. now. So I mean, technically they probably could have they they probably got a couple of 14 year olds in there so maybe 89 for the youngest yeah, world war Two vet living yeah so don uh 16
0: years old gets sent to uh, europe <clears throat> To free the death camps at mm-hmm. 16 years old. Yeah. Like, Can yeah. you that's imagine fun. seeing nope. that when you're 16?
9: No. no. Corpses uh, everywhere. Well, you don't. I think that any uh. any time any kind of major action like that. I mean, the uh, you do not want to know what it's like. No. That that that's no, a scar don't. that's left on these people and the things that you see are just you don't want to see. I mean, you don't want to know about and. You know, they, they they try to do these movies. Oh, blah blah blah. Oh, it's just. Oh, this is the way it really is, and they try to make them as violent as possible. It ain't ten percent of what it no, is. You no, you can't show. Oh,
7: God, you're yeah, right. You can't show that on the screen. You know. You well, the youngest person to ever enlist in World War II was 12 years old. Oh, what? Yeah. 12. Yep. Yeah.
9: Is that from the Hitler Youth? Because a lot of the Hitler Youth. Well, no. This is the
7: youngest U.S. US, person, I should say. But, yeah, Calvin Graham, uh, 12 years old when he enlisted in 1942. Jesus. Yeah, you would think that they would have seen him and been like,
0: you're clearly 12. He'd only be 90 now. He's probably still alive unless he got killed in a war. He died quite some time ago. Oh, did he really? Yes. I suppose well if you have it in you ladies and gentlemen veteransairlift.org even if you want to leave them a buck that'd be great because these guys spend that flight had to cost 15 Gs per per wing I would I would say
5: and then he flew my uncle back to Arizona, back to Arizona with to, him
0: yeah yep. with him so basically about 15 grand to get here and 15 grand to get back that'd be my that's me guessing I don't know for sure
9: Whatever, whatever the the maintenance on the plane and the gasoline, yep. fuel is the fuel. quite expensive.
3: Yeah,
0: but they are heroes. There's no doubt about it. We get the the uh, the Vietnam Vietnam War POW. You got Don is ecstatic to be back. The pilot could not have been a nicer guy. So thank you they again. They took
5: pictures of us. yeah he did. They took pictures with him. <laughs> they
0: did indeed. Well, here we go. Uh, the G five
7: fifty. So how long was that flight? Three hours? About three hours. A little over three hours, yeah. probably. Were it to be a G550, it would have burned 1,200 gallons in that time.
0: Wait a minute. 1,200 gallons? Yeah. And it's six bucks a gallon?
7: Uh, you, I don't know how much jet fuel is, but that's probably about right. So just the fuel alone... Would have been fifteen thousand dollars, <laughs> yeah. Holy just God. about fifteen thousand dollars for the fuel Holy that was there and God. back.
9: Yeah, so that's a fuel that's that's
7: the- just the fuel, it's a lot of fuel.
5: Woo. It wasn't a G5, though. it
7: wasn't, no, but it was not. you know, it was something
9: like what well, you don't get a much better gas mileage with a citation. No, it no, is a citation. Know. Oh, you know, we're gonna, give yeah. you a, we're gonna give you a half mile per gallon, not a quarter mile per gallon, yeah. we're gonna give you a half mile per gallon. Yeah. Yeah. Jets do yeah.
7: gallons per hour. Because they do gallons per yeah. hour, yeah. Miles per gallon is a meaningless. Yeah. Is that like six them. gallons per minute or something? <laughs> uh, <I> think, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, God. It was. It's uh, a lot. Four hundred gallons per hour. 400
0: gallons an hour. I know. 1,200 gallons Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah,
5: they brought a tanker truck out to fill up the plane and Fawn was like, it's a tanker truck!
0: She was all excited about the tanker truck. She has a
5: book about a tanker truck that goes, <laughs> Well, it's a little boy that has a toy tanker truck and then he imagines if he were to drive a tanker truck and then it talks about how mm-hmm. most tanker trucks are started as dairy trucks. Oh, really? And it goes, yeah, they start as dairy <clears throat> trucks and... um, What?
9: Yeah. that's that's not true i don't that's not true i well, don't know great story if not you want true. to feel
7: bad about flying Never. here's a quick quiz before we go to our break oh God. all right here we go how quiz. long do you think it takes a 747 to burn a gallon of fuel five seconds
5: Less than that. Less nope. than that. Less. A millisecond?
7: Mm. So one second.
0: <laughs> one second to get a gallon. Per gallon per second. Oh my god. A mm-hmm. So on a three hour flight, second. you're burning a little fuel. Going to, going to Europe?
7: <laughs> three hours, oh. that would burn about 11,000 gallons
0: of fuel. 11,000 gallons. $66,000 worth of gas.
7: Yeah, that's one reason I'm
9: trying to fly less. Good plan. But but it's actually the carbon footprint and fuel usage is more with a car.
7: Well, if you were to drive all the way down there, I'm just saying
0: travel less in general. It
9: all
7: works
0: for me, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back rehumanizing the workplace, future-proofing your organization while restoring hope, well-being, and performance. Rosie Ward, I am, I am really missing hope, well-being, and performance these days, I'll tell
4: you. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I was just talking, because I do a morning show in town as well, and I was talking about on my morning show this morning. I've gotten to the point now, after four or five months, whatever it's been, I wake up in the morning and go, we still have this?
3: <laughs>
0: oh, God, whether it's the, the COVID or, or Black Lives Matter or the election. or what uh, Rosie, I can't take much more.
4: I know. Don't you feel like you're in one of those bad infomercials in the '90s? But wait, there's more. <laughs> but,
0: wait, but wait, there's more. Yeah, it's just wonderful, isn't it? Um, <laughs> in any case, rehumanizing. What do you mean by rehumanizing the
9: workplace?
4: Yeah. Well, in many cases, some people say, "Was it ever really human?" But there are uh-huh. really great workplaces that that have been human and have been paving the way for decades and outperforming their counterparts and. The, It's really about how do we get back to that or organizations that lost their way or never found their way. How do they learn from these organizations that really are putting humanity back at the forefront, honoring the complexity and messiness of what it means to be human rather than treating people like they're predictable, controllable machines.
0: You know, Rosie, what I have to do is ask uh, our, one of our listeners, Wendy, to call in. Because if Wendy was talking to you, it would sound like you were each talking to yourselves. Yeah, a little oh, bit. Oh,
4: funny. <laughs> you too.
0: Your voices sound very similar.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that would
0: be hilarious. Wendy, call in and ask a question. <laughs>
4: she my, Is she my voice doppelganger? That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's your voice doppelganger. Exactly. I think it's wonderful. Uh, in any case, business must reinvent the workplace post-COVID-19. Oh, you're based in Minneapolis?
4: I am, yeah. Rosie,
0: wonderful. No wonder you sound like a Minnesotan. (laughs) That all works out in the end. It
4: does, it
8: does.
0: Okay, so imagine a world where everyone can come to work as their uh, authentically human best selves. They feel fulfilled, supported, and cared for. Wait a minute, Rosie, you're leading me down the primrose path here. This sounds way too good.
4: It does. But you know what? It's not fiction. It's not unicorns. It's not rainbows. So uh, there are amazing workplaces that we feature in our book that we've been really fortunate to work with that really put a lot of intentionality into their leadership, into their culture, into their purpose, where is it all unicorns and rainbows? No. But um, do they constantly work to get better? Do people feel fulfilled? Are people knocking down their doors to work there? Do people actually love their work? Yeah, and, and we need more of that, it, and especially, I think, if COVID has taught us anything. I mean, yes, people want to be employed, but people, I think it's reshifted priorities, and people are looking at what is important and what matters and what do they want to put up with.
0: You know, that makes total, I, I think that the key point for me in that is what matters. I'm trying at this point in my life to, to pay most attention to what actually does matter. Is that a good idea?
4: Yeah, I, I think for all of us, regardless of our age, I think when we get clarity of what matters to us, we can put our energy in the right spot and not give energy where it it isn't productive and it isn't helpful.
2: Yes,
0: and that's the whole deal. Being, Are we productive as a society right now? That's another question. We've got to be somewhat productive, but we're nowhere near our top ability to be productive, are we? I
4: don't think so. I also think there's a... Huge difference between being productive and being effective. So I yeah, think a lot yeah. of times people are working harder, and you hear people that are working from home. They're working more hours. They're taking less breaks. And they're like, oh, I'm super productive, but it comes at a cost. And I think that we have to think about: Are we actually being effective? And I and I I would suggest that that's more important than just how productive we are.
0: Yeah, that does make sense. You know, Rosie. Once in a while, I think back. I'm in my 36th year on the KQ Warning Show now, Mm -hmm. and I look back over the 36 years or 35 years going in, you know, the 36th year now. But I look back and I think to myself, if I had not allowed all these different people into talking me into things, I'd have a much better life. You know, how do you how do you avoid that, Rosie, that you're on a great path, you're really doing well, and then all of a sudden, whether it's, you know, the general manager or whomever, oh, this is a great idea, and you go, that's really a bad idea. But they go, well, I'm the general manager, and you go, oh, well, whatever, you know. Over the years, there are at least four or five instances on that show where if I said, no, you're not doing that, we'd have been much better off, but... But because, I don't know, maybe I thought I was all powerful or something and could even overcome their stupidity. Turns out (laughs) it's really hard to do. Really hard to do.
4: Yeah, well, you know, and let's be honest, nobody's perfect and we all make mistakes, but I think part of it is, do you take the learning from that, right? And And I don't know about you, but I think about every stupid mistake I've made or every misstep I've made. Right. If... I've used it to learn and grow and and become better. And sometimes you can look back and go, wow, that was dumb. But did I learn from it? And has it helped shape who I am now? Absolutely. And so I think that if we think we're going to be without bumps and bruises, then we're a robot or we're superhuman. We're not an actual real human being, right? And So,
8: uh,
4: yeah, so I I think it's what do you do with those? And let's be honest, there are some environments that aren't human. They are cultures of fear and people can't speak up and, that's not that's not good either right you need to have an environment where you can say let's talk about this because if it's really detrimental do we really want to take that risk and sometimes you do want to take a risk but if you can't you don't have a safe environment where people can have those off, honest authentic conversations that doesn't help anybody
0: okay so rosie i'm working for you and you rosie ward come and say tom we're going to rehumanize the workplace uh future-proof our organization while restoring hope, well-being, and performance. What can I expect from you as, a, as a, a worker?
4: Well, yeah, as a worker, first of all, I mean, we have a very small company, but I obviously try to get to know my people on a personal level and find out what makes them tick and what's the work that fulfills them and what work drains them and where can they shine and where do they want to learn and where do they want to grow. And I think if we can do that with our people, we're gonna we're going to – unleash what's best in people. And I don't think we ask those questions enough of, of what, what are people interested in, what do they enjoy, what fulfills them, what drains them. We also have to have a clear company purpose. And so our purpose, not surprising given our book title, is to rehumanize the workplace so people can bring their best selves to work and home each day. And so we look at everything of what products, what services, what workshops, what consulting work, what speaking engagement can we do that can help further that purpose. And I think that organizations that have that clear sense of purpose and people know what it is, and it's not just words on a wall, and they know how they fit into it, and they know how they can further it, and contribute it. People want to belong. They want to feel part of something, and they want to be able to bring that forward, and, and that, that is worth so much to people. I mean, not that they don't want a fair pay, but that's worth way more than a paycheck for people.
0: You know what amazes me? We were talking about this earlier today, Rosie, is that, you know, back, I, I've always liked the slogan, do no harm. You know, they yeah. talk about this, that, and the other thing, but do no harm. Yeah. Uh, we left that back in the d- dusty trail many, many, many d- decades ago. Uh, uh, an example of that would be Amazon. Amazon, we pay for the shipping of their packages. We, the taxpayers. How that ever happened, how that was allowed to happen, I will never understand. So this man gets away with murder, and I understand that he he's one of the lowest-paying guys in the business. Is that true? Mm-hmm. And by the business, I mean
4: big tech. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's the lowest, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different business models that, that uh, don't necessarily treat their people well, pay their people well. Um, but then there's so many good businesses that are completely operating counter to that. And mm-hmm. guess what? They're all performing the S&P 500 by a 14 to 1. So there's, there's something great. to be said for doing, different, doing business differently and better.
0: See, I think that's wonderful news. I had no idea that was true. I'm really glad I asked you that question because it's not all about just you being a trillionaire, it's about you're a billionaire, you're very fortunate, why don't we take care of everybody now? I'm in a position that everyone who comes in the front door of any Amazon in the world is gonna do really well because I did really well. We're gonna share it, we're gonna do no harm, my people are gonna make really good money, right?
4: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's all about lifting lifting up others and yep. when you look when you look at the the for-profit companies because there's some the publicly traded not there's some that are privately held but when you look at these organizations and it's not just in the US globally they did research in Brazil on these companies and yeah they offer they operate completely counter to business as usual and yet their numbers blow their competition out of the water and so I think when we shift from a numbers focus to a Stakeholder culture, purpose, human focus—the numbers actually serve us well.
0: See, I think that's that's terrific. So, Rosie, what is your background? You're very smart. <laughs> well, you are. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Well, no, Rosie, yeah, you're an no. idiot. <laughs> uh,
4: well, yeah. So, I have a my background is in uh, kinesiology and public health for my first two degrees and then I have a PhD in organization management so I'm all about kind of fusing individual well-being with organizational health and well-being
0: aren't you the one as they want all
4: right and (laughs) you know what I have so you know what Tom I have to tell you that like we have a really small history like 20 years ago you had a segment on your morning show where you wanted people to write in with Richard names or dick names
2: and you (laughs) were one of them
4: and I wrote in with one, and I said, my dad worked with somebody named Richard Cox, and you wrote, you read it on the air, and so that was so unfortunate, and I won a Sam Adams prize pack. So there
0: we go. <laughs> you won a Sam Adams <laughs> prize
4: pack. I did. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Rosie, you're the best. That's are you booked, hilarious. On, are you booked That's on the morning show to, to talk about your book? but I should be. Yeah, we'll get you you booked. I'd love to talk to you on the morning show as well, especially, although I will not call you Rosie, I'm just going to call you Dick or something.
5: (laughs) Maybe you'll get a Sam Adams prize. Maybe you'll get a
0: Sam Adams prize pack, Rosie. (laughs) I'll get you booked. Thank you. I'll just reach out to this uh, this, uh, number at the top here. This is what I'll do. It's a 978 number? Yeah,
4: yep.
0: Okay, I'll have them reach out to you, Rosie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Rosie Ward, ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Rehumanizing the Workplace, Future-Proofing Your Organization While Restoring Hope, Well-Being, and Performance. God, she was a very smart woman.
5: Wendy said, she does sound like me, mm-hmm. doesn't she?
0: <laughs> she <laughs> does. Why didn't you call in Wendy a pill? She's, probably, she's he sounds worried herself. I want to hear her talking to herself. That Lunch have been breaks the greatest. over. Well, that's oh, All of a sudden, the lunch breaks over at 1258. I like it. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.